I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. It is coming up on my favorite time of the year, late season. I love hunting in the late season. It's coming up on my favorite time of year. I will be uh, this time next week in camp with uh, Chuck Adams in Oklahoma. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be doing podcasts there from Oklahoma and bringing them to you. So it's going to be a fun, exciting week. Going to be putting out a lot of content um, with Chuck in camp about the new bows and his thoughts on the new bows and and what he likes, what he doesn't like about them. So make sure and follow along with Bear Archery um, as they're putting out all that content. I am joined today by one of my... um, mentors by one of the guys who helped get me started mr adam leichner my brother-in-law a good friend of mine a man that i am excited uh, to talk to today and we're talking about his influence on me uh, but also those who influenced him and kind of what that structure looks like and how we should all be working to influence other people and get people involved in hunting guys it's a good episode so stay right here tuned in Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. I'm an arrow junkie. I can't help it. I love building arrows. It's my passion. Uh, I can remember growing up, my dad, It was for him, it was sitting there sharpening knives. He loved to do that. For me, it's building arrows. It's sharpening broadheads. It's fletching arrows. It's, it's playing with arrow weights and FOCs and all that good stuff. I love going out in my bow shop and messing with arrows. A good friend of mine, Dan, he started a company called Arrow Junkie. First off, what caught my attention was the incredible-looking apparel. If you don't like Sasquatch carrying a bow, dragging a deer, there's something wrong with you. But as an arrow junkie, he sells me all the equipment that I need to build my own arrows from arrow saws, arrow squares, arrow uh, jigs, everything that I need to build my own arrows. He's got all the fletchings, all the wraps, all the glues, everything, broadheads, fill tips, inserts, outserts, everything you need to build your own arrow. Also, he puts out some really good information on how to build your own arrows. Guys, it doesn't have to be difficult, and it really doesn't even have to be that expensive. You can build an entire arrow building kit uh, for, you know, 400 bucks or so. And then all of a sudden, you can build the best arrows that you can possibly have because you're building them yourself. You know them. um, You're putting the time and effort into them. So, guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Arrow Junkie for all your arrow building needs. He's phenomenal. They're phenomenal. Go check it out. All right, Adam. So before we uh, jump to the nuts and bolts of this, give us an introduction to yourself, man. Is this the, this is the first time you've ever been on Bear Archery's podcast, right? I think so. Yeah, we did uh, that old podcast together yeah. a couple times, but yeah, it's been a long time. 
Uh, so introduction to me, uh, my name is Adam Leitner. As Dylan said, I'm his brother-in-law, married to his sister. And uh, so I've known Dylan since he was just a little guy. Um, and uh, we have, uh, my wife Megan and I have two kids, Elijah and Ivy Grace. And uh, Elijah's a, become a big butt killer too. He has, man. He's he's taken off with it. He's ate up. He loves it's it. Awesome, it's awesome, dude. I love, I love watching that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, the the first deer that that kid killed, man, it was it was the craziest thing because we had been practicing with the rifle. We went out and the first the first trip out, um, he shot at a couple does and and missed. And he just got real nervous, got excited. You know, we had him real close and he missed and he was all discouraged. And then we went out the next weekend and this big buck came out and he dropped him. <laughs> it was like, I can't believe that was that kid's first deer. So it's mounted yeah. above his bed a now. Nice deer too. It is a good deer. So yeah, we have uh, two kids and uh, I'm a, a worship and young adult pastor in Wichita and uh, love to hunt, man. We, yeah. we share that interest together and yeah, we've gotten to do a lot of that together through the years. So, well, and not to get, you know, not to get too, um, spiritual on the show, but you know, that's what, if I was to give a true introduction about my brother-in-law, Adam, it would be that he's one of my influencers in hunting, uh, really helped get me started, but also one of my heroes of the faith. So, wow. um, thank you. I, uh, I'm excited to just talk about kind of your journey. Cause you know, hunting meant a lot more to you than maybe some, because, you know, as I was talking this morning with your wife, my sister, um, we were just talking about how hunting, you know, you lost your dad at a young age. So hunting was really like an outlet for you, if you will. So um, just kind of want to get into that. But yeah, Adam was, what, how old was I when you started dating Megan? 12, 13? Yeah, you would have been in that ballpark. <clears throat> young young teen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think 12 or 13, right yeah. in there. Seventh so, or eighth grade. Yeah, probably. So for those of you who've listened to the podcast, you know that my dad got me started hunting uh, at a young age and, you know, he's really lit that fire and took me out a lot, but it was rifles. You know, my dad had kind of fallen out of the bow hunting world. Um, he's back in it now, but um, just kind of fallen out of that. And so we did a lot of rifle hunting and Adam, when I remember you coming around, you were the cool guy. Like you were, yes, you were, let's go. I mean, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, you were strong, athletic, handsome, like, thank you. For a young teenage boy, I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. And I remember you had a blacked out Matthew Z7. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that Z7 boat. Extreme. And I used to just think like, dude, this guy is legit. <laughs> like, this guy, everything about you with that bow. Like, I just remember looking at that bow and being like, dude, this is so cool. Like, that's awesome. I don't know how it works. I don't understand all the technology behind it, but this is cool. And I had shot my dad's old, like, 87 bow, like, a lot. But I'd never seen, like, an... I've never been around new cool bows, you know, like yeah. cutting edge technology, that fast technology, shooting bows. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, this is so cool. Yeah. And um, so anyways, fast forward, and I still didn't really get into it a lot. Um, but then I was in college just miles from your house. And uh, and so got to spend a lot more time around you and with my sister and, and obviously my nephew and just watching you shoot in the backyard. I'm like, this is so cool. And so, you know, I, I don't think I've ever even told this story, but I remember wanting to get into bow hunting and I didn't have money. I mean, I was a poor college kid. I didn't have money. And so you literally funded me the money to buy my first bow. Um, And that meant a lot to me still does. Like, you know, I just think back and crap, I'm going to cry. 
I just think back and I'm like, dude, I wouldn't even be here. Like if it wasn't for somebody willing to say, here's 200 bucks for your first bow. And I mean, that's so cool. Even to you, like a young married man in ministry, like 200 bucks wasn't just chump change, but you were willing to say, you know what? I want to see you do this. And so you funded me the money for my first bow. And, and I'm quite literally here because of the investment that you made. Man, that's so um, cool. You know, my, my living is literally in the outdoor industry, in the bow hunting space because of the, because of you being willing to say, here's 200 bucks for your first bow. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, but the way that unfolded was, <laughs> it was crazy. We literally sighted that bow in, in the headlights of, of your truck at your house. And I was brand new to this, uh, you know, and again, I had shot bows like my dad's old bow, but you know, I had like 5% let off and you couldn't, I couldn't shoot it like I needed to. I was a little kid shooting a 70 pound bow and just, so it was the first time somebody was really teaching me form and how to shoot a bow and you're teaching me in the headlights of a truck. And, <laughs> and I had called back, I had called back home. This was in Oklahoma city. There was a little redneckery involved. Yeah. <laughs> I had called back home and I just said, Hey dad. Um, well actually I called a gentleman. Um, there was a guy and he always had this cornfield and it was really in the middle of town, but had this cornfield behind an auction lot. And so everybody saw this cornfield. It wasn't like tucked back anywhere. And everybody had always asked, and we had always asked, can we hunt that cornfield? No, I can't let anybody hunt that cornfield. No, it's just, it's right behind my place of business. If I let somebody, everybody's going to want to. And so, but I was in college. And so I called back and I called, called Mr. Mike. And I said, Hey, Mr. Mike, I said, uh, you know, I gave him the whole, I'm studying college, man. I'm trying to be a minister. You know, I don't have any, don't have any time <laughs> to hunt. Give him the sob man. story. I don't have any time to hunt. I don't have any money, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to come back and hunt. Can I hunt that cornfield? And he just goes, yeah, you probably could. And I was like, what? And so I just you called said my dad. Yes. Let's go. I called him down. I'm like, dad, I just got permission to hunt Mr. Mike's cornfield. And he said, no, you didn't dude. I said, dad, I'm going to be home tomorrow morning and I'm hunting that cornfield. And, uh, and he was just like ecstatic. He's like, well, I'll go out and get a tree stand hung up. So dad went out and put up a tree stand and, and, um, we sighted that bow in and I come back home the very first set. I see a bunch of deer, um, nothing, nothing impressive, but I see a bunch of deer and it was just a crazy cool set. And actually your mentor, uh, Jared Vickers was in town that weekend for a, a youth rally, a youth retreat. I forgot that. Yeah, that's right. And so I had been like texting back and forth with Jared and I'm like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm going to be hunting, you know, blah, blah. And so that I go back for the evening set. And I shoot a buck and I remember calling you and you're like, no, you didn't like, no Uh, way. Like he didn't have any faith in me, obviously. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I could not believe that this was true because like you said, like you had just gotten this bow, like you'd shot it a handful of times. Yeah. We sighted in the night before in the headlights of a truck. And like, I mean, you were shooting it good. Like I felt confident that you could hit a deer, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but You'd also just got this spot and he calls me and it's early season, super early. I don't remember. Oh, it, it was, was like 98 it, degrees. Yeah. It was like mid September. Yeah, it was like, like right when Arkansas yeah. had opened that yeah. year. So like Kansas wasn't even open. Oklahoma wasn't open. Oklahoma opens yeah. usually first of October. And so I'm not even like in deer hunting mode. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going home. I'm going to hunt this weekend. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Good luck. You know? And he calls me and I'm sitting at the dinner table with, with his sister, my wife. And Dylan's like, dude, I just shot a huge buck. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like he's just messing with me. He's like, I'm serious. He's like, I just shot a huge buck. And I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, I promise. And then he sends me pictures and 
Sure enough, yeah. he really did. His second time sitting, he's the luckiest punk there ever was. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, my dad didn't believe me either because I called him and and like I said, there was a youth rally going on, so uh, he was at the church and and um, around a lot of other guys, and I just said, Dad, I just shot a big buck, and um, you know, up to that point, we we did most of our hunting down south, like far south Arkansas. You've been down there, the yep. deer chocolate labs, you know. I mean, and. Um, <laughs> And so he really didn't associate like big buck with like what I had killed. And still to this day, like it's the smallest deer on my wall by far. But for Arkansas, it, A, it was an old, old, old deer. Um, but for it Arkansas, cool it was buck. a good deer. I mean, it's probably, and I never got it measured, but I'm going to guess 115 inches, maybe 110. Um, but for a first archery buck, like, you know, I wasn't lying. And so, dude, I shot a single spike <laughs> at one on one side and one broken off. And oh, the I, first deer I, I was thrilled to death the first year i shot even with a rifle i uh of course we were down in south arkansas and i was probably 12 and i even picked that up and carried it out i mean at 12 so that was it probably weighed 60 pounds um but anyway so i called dad and and uh he comes out and we're looking for it and we don't find anything we find half my arrow and but we don't find any blood and i'm like dad i'm telling you it's a perfect shot like I, i i promise you it was a perfect shot. Now I was only 18 years old yeah. and never shot a deer with a bow before, but my dad, I mean, wherever you taught me to shoot him with a rifle, perfect shot, dude. <laughs> and he was like, okay, but bow hunting is a little different, son. I mean, yeah. if they duck at all, you might've made a perfect shot, but he ducked like, right. And I'm like, dad, I'm telling you, I saw where the arrow went. I saw when he was running away. I saw the arrow in him. It was a perfect shot, but we don't find anything. And I told him, I'm like, dad, this is where he went in the woods. This is where he crossed the creek. This is where he come up out of the creek. And so we go over there. Sure enough, you could tell just the water and, you know, wet going up. And I'm like, I'm telling you, dad, like that. It was a perfect shot, dude. And he just doesn't believe me. Like he never said that, but you could just tell like he was losing right. faith quick. Yeah. And um, so he brings out Steve Reeves and Isaac came out there and we're all looking for this buck for hours. And I'm like. That I promise, dude, like I'm not leaving because I know that was a good hit. The redneck brigade tra- yeah. tracking through the woods. So Steve's got blood lights and all this stuff. And I'm like, dad, <laughs> I promise it was a good hit, but there's not one drop of blood anywhere. Yeah. And um, sure enough, like literally somebody, I don't even remember who did it, but somebody shines a light and all they saw was a tail, but he had just ducked into super thick cover. It's like dove in there. Yeah. Just dove in there breath. and all you could see was his tail. Yeah. But he literally went past the creek. He was 10 yards. So from where I shot him to where he ran was like 60 yards, maybe. Man. But just the way the arrow went in, plugged everything. I didn't get a pass through, obviously, because the arrow broke off. But um, meat plugged the hole. Fat plugged the hole. Just didn't bleed. Yeah. Perfect shot. He ran, ran 60 yards. I've had a few like that. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I told you. Like, <laughs> I knew I, I had him good. And uh, I remember when we get that deer, he's like, well, I honestly didn't think you killed a big buck. Um, yeah, but sure enough, it was a big buck. I, I still, yeah, I could, I could not believe that. Oh, and if you listen, just so you know, I had Austin on last week, so it wasn't a good episode. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, me and Austin, uh, I'm sure you've heard his story, but we shot bucks on the same day, both on November 9th. Um, so I literally called Austin. Or I, I texted jealous. Austin, said, "Hey, I just shot a buck, dude, with Tucker in the blind," and he's like, "Yeah." I just shot a buck too. And so I was like, dude, we got to do a podcast. And so, um, I was with Austin last week. Um, and we talked about, I told the story of my dad wanting to shoot a deer, but he was peeing in a bottle 
<laughs> um, and so he couldn't shoot the deer. So fast awesome. forward the next night, I'm like, dad, there was another buck with this deer that was bigger. Oh yeah. Sorry about this. And yeah. so we literally got the next night we had trampled all through these woods. Same stand. Same yeah. stand. Yeah. I'm sitting in the tree. It was no double set. So I'm like in the tree and, and, um, that sure enough, that same buck that was with the buck the night before comes back in and I'm like, dad, here he comes. <laughs> And he's like, I'm peeing right now, dude. I can't. And I'm like, Dad, you're gonna have to put that thing away, dude. And he said, I said, pinch it off. He said, I'm old. I can't do that. <laughs> and that deer is literally coming. Oh and so uh, the deer's like 40 yards of death, so peeing in a bottle. I'm like, Dad, get ready. And he's like, I'm trying. And so, so I great. told that story last week, but this was literally the night after. I'm like, Dad, there was yeah. a buck with that that deer. So I did screw my dad up though, because um mechanicals were on the rave still are but like that was really like when they were just really Starting getting to really yeah popular. really getting in there yeah and so i said well dad me and adam uh that bow came with some of these rages some of these broadheads i'm like dude you saw what it did to that buck like you need to shoot these dude yeah and so i was like all right and so he screws them onto his arrows well he was shooting an old 87 yeah he was still shooting that same 87 probably shooting 200 feet per maybe second. <laughs> and so he literally hits that deer and it just stopped <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me and says, you idiot. <laughs> he said, I've been shooting the same old three blade broadheads for 25 years, oh, man. for 50 years. And they've always worked. Yeah. And I put on your stupid little heads and they don't go through at all. So we never, we didn't kill the deer, but um, need, needless, <laughs> story, to say, needless to say, dad's dad is now a, a mechanical like fanatic because he's upgraded bows and can actually shoot them now. But yeah, uh, yeah, that didn't ever register with me. Like, oh yeah, your bow is not putting out the kinetic energy to shoot this open head. this thing up and actually push it through <laughs> so it was bad but um yeah yeah so adam uh has always been the guy for me that um and you guys have heard me talk used to film a tv show from osseo that was with adam uh so he's always been the guy that has pushed me in archery so i appreciate that man that's super cool yeah i honestly i had forgot that we helped you get that first bow yeah but, Did I ever pay you back for that? Too late now. No, you owe me now, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> now that you're Mr. Bow Hunting um, celebrity. Yeah. Now, but your story, you know, like I said, your dad passed away at a young age. And so you didn't have that dad to, you know, drag you along in the woods. So you had a gentleman by the name of Jared that was really influential. So talk to me about all that, man. How'd that, yeah. how'd that all start for you? So, yeah, my dad um, passed away when I was young. I was... Uh, nine years old. It was actually a couple of weeks before my 10th birthday. And uh, my dad had been like perfectly healthy, uh, amazing, godly man. And uh, he got sick and they started running some tests and found out that he had cancer really bad and had metastasized mm -hmm. and spread through his whole body. And so um, they started some really aggressive treatment, but um four months later he passed away. And as a kid, I mean, that absolutely rocked my world. Um, it was really hard to kind of understand that pain and wrestle through all of that. Um, one of the things that was amazing through that time, I mean, God was just very gracious and like helped carry me through yeah. that. Um, but one of the things that was super cool is how hunting was a big part of my healing. Um, and I, I never would have known that I grew up as a kid. I was, I love the outdoors. I love being outside. My mom would tell you, I mean, we, we lived in the city, but I was like outside, like 
as long as I could be yeah. every day, you know, I always wanted to be out there and, um, we would do some like hiking and camping and stuff like that as a kid. And I always loved that. Love fishing with my papa. Uh, but my, my dad wasn't a big hunter at all. And, uh, but my uncle, who is my dad's oldest brother, my uncle, Mike, huge hunter. Um, man, you should see his office, dude. He's got every kind of big game and the biggest of every species. Yep. It's crazy. Um, deer killing fool. But he, uh, after my dad passed away, he kind of took me under his wing. It was actually really cool because it's kind of the whole like passing hunting on yeah. idea and tradition. Um, because similar to how I helped you get your first bow, he actually, he let me mow his yard, use his mower all summer long and he would pay me and I saved up and I bought my first deer rifle, um, when I was 12. That's cool. So he was, he, ha, he had a nice like riding lawnmower. He could have easily mowed his own lawn, but he paid me to do it. Probably overpaid me to do it because I was using his equipment and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I saved up, <clears throat> bought my first deer rifle that summer. And, uh, so he started investing in me and then Jared Vickers, the one that you mentioned, he was actually my youth pastor at, my dad had been the youth pastor at the church and Jared, uh, helped in youth. And then Jared took over once my dad passed away and, uh, both my uncle Mike and, and Jared, uh, really invested in me and Jared really, my uncle Mike bow hunted some back then, but was a big rifle hunter. And so, um, he actually helped me get my first deer with a rifle. Uh, and I shot a pretty nice buck, my first one. And then, uh, Jared, um, helped me get my first bow. Uh, I think I paid him $20 for <laughs> this bow. It was a PSE. It was old school. I still have it actually. Uh, the, uh, the cams on that thing are about this yeah. way around. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, so I got that bow, started shooting, started learning mechanics and, um, Anyways, I remember, so my second season, my first season when I was 12, I shot one with a rifle. My second season, I was 13 years old and, uh, I got to shoot my first year with a bow. Like I said, it was a broken off spike. Uh, I, I mean, I was more excited over that deer and that's, I was hooked on bow hunting like forever. Have you ever, have you shot one with a rifle since? Uh, a few, but. I don't get that excited when I shoot yeah. with a rifle, man. I'm just tied up with bow hunting, man. And, uh, so that really like one of the things that I found is that the woods, like being in the outdoors was super healing for me. Like yeah. it's peaceful. It's quiet. It's a good place to reflect. Um, you learn so much when you're out there, learn, learn about yourself. Um, you learn about the Lord. I feel like, you know, uh, but it's also, it's just like healing, uh, yeah, for me, it's just absolutely. a healing place. And so as a kid, like that was one of my escapes, I think not from reality, but escapes from like pain and, and a good, just safe place for me to go. And, and I think you, you really learn a lot about just, you know, being a man, you know, there's a lot of masculine energy and yeah. like pursuing wild game hunting, kind of get into those core things. 
and just being in the woods, learning, you know, how to be tough, how to sit through really, really cold, you know, when you're, when you're a young kid, you know, and I, I had whatever kind of cheap camo I could piece together and cotton socks and, you know, 50 layers and I sweated going in and I'm sitting there freezing to death, you know? Um, but you learn, you know, I'm going to tough this out. I'm going to sit through this. And then you get, occasionally you get rewarded with, you know, the prize, which is really exciting and get to share that experience with friends and family. And so, yeah, hunting's always been just super special to me. And because of the way that it helped me heal and not only did my uncle Mike and Jared, you know, teach me about hunting, but they taught me a lot about becoming a man, you know, stepping into, uh, manhood. And, and then I'll also say that, so my mom got remarried and my stepdad, who's, I mean, he's my second dad. Yeah. Um, he came into my life and he, he loves to bird hunt. So yeah, he's big upland. He's ate up with it. Game. Yeah. He loves to pheasant quail hunt. And so he got me into that and I'll never forget. So man, it was so special. I was getting really into hunting. Uh, I think this was the, yeah, I was 12 years old, which back then that was like the first year you could hunt in Kansas. Like you could take your hunter safety. So he, he took me and set in hunter safety class with me for like two days of eight hour classes or whatever it was, you know? And, uh, I got my hunter safety and then I remember he is a, uh, businessman. He's a banker. And he was, he was acting like he was on a phone call and he's on his phone at the house. And like, he's like, Hey, uh, he said, I left my briefcase in the, in the front seat of my, my pickup. Would you go out there and get it for me? I said, yeah, sure. So I took his keys and went out there and I opened the door and there's a brand new shotgun Remington 870 express youth shot, shotgun pump action. Is. Oh dude. Yeah. They're unbeatable. I love Sitting that. There. I went to a shoot today and all these guys have like $10,000 guns, like, <laughs> you know, breaking open. And I'm like, yeah. got my 870 <laughs> pump. And I'm like, yeah, but this thing's never failed me before. That's right, man. That action is yeah. going to work every time. Yeah, dude. I was so excited. I don't know if I've ever been more excited over a gift. Like that was incredible. So I I had a rifle and a shotgun and then I got a sweet $20 bow. <laughs> I, see, I was, I was, set, I was a dumb enough little kid to walk back in back. Like, I didn't see the briefcase. <laughs> I'm like, there yeah. was a gun in there though. I didn't, but I didn't yeah. see a briefcase. So I got to shoot my first quail that year too. So I got hooked on man. Yeah. The outdoors, they've just been, it's been incredible. I love, I love hunting. Bow hunting is really like my passion. Uh, I love the, the challenge of it. I love the skill it takes. You know, you have to really prepare yourself uh, put in the work ahead of time and, uh, man, it's just a fun, it's a fun endeavor. I love it. See, I just think that, and not to say it's completely gone because there are definitely still guys out there that, you know, invest in a younger generation, but, you know, used to, for, for people of of that generation, like my dad and, and, you know, uncle Gary and, and not Gary, um, uncle Mike, uncle Mike and Jared, um, they were, they were desperately looking like they wanted to invest in people. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's hard because I, I mean, I get it. Like I get the idea of like, yeah, but if I take Tucker hunting, 
then I don't get to hunt. It like, lose, yeah. It lowers your chances of success significantly. Right. But like Jared was like investing not only in you, but oh, tons of guys. I mean, Grant and all yeah. those guys. Uh, and he created monsters. Monsters. <laughs> I mean, um, we're all ate up with it now. But like, and you know what? I've thought about that before. I'm like, you know, I am a youth pastor, so I have access to all these kids. Right. And there's so many kids that like, you know, they talk to me and they're like, oh, dude, that's so cool, man. You you went on a bear hunt. And I'm like, and they're showing interest. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's pretty cool. And then I just move on with life. And I'm like, there was a chance right, to invest in a kid. Sure. And sometimes it's a lot harder than others. You know, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about Coda before, a young a young man in my youth group that has severely special needs. But he wants to hunt. And I'm yeah. like, this is going to be difficult. Like, right. I'm going to have to give up a lot of my hunting time. Sure. I have to take him to one of my spots. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to. And, and, you know, then it becomes difficult because if one of my target bucks come out. Like, yeah. I got to let him shoot. I can't say, no, dude, I want to shoot that deer. <laughs> um, you know, that, that becomes difficult. Yeah. No. But it's for that so generation, true. dude, they, 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 they looked for opportunities. Right. They looked for young men to say, hey, have you ever been hunting before? Let's go. Right. Um, and I think that's why there's such a decrease in hunting now. Um, you know, everybody's talking about how um, well, we're going to lose our opportunities. There's too many hunters now. There's too many. Well, no, quite literally the opposite. I mean, as of 10 years ago, our, our, our license sales are down tremendously. Yeah. We saw an uptick through COVID, but license sales are down tremendously. And that's because people have lost the desire to invest in the next generation of hunters. Yeah. Now you might be listening to this and thinking like, well, I take my son hunting. Okay. What about the neighborhood kid? Like what about the kid who walks by and sees you shooting and goes, Oh dude, that's such a cool thing you're doing there. The kid who doesn't have a dad, yeah. the kid whose dad's passed away Absolutely. Or, or dad's not in his life. Absolutely. And, and I've just thought yeah. back, there's so many times like, you know, uh, like we'll have a friend over, and, you know, Harper will have a friend over, Hayden will have a friend over and, and uh, I'll be shooting like, that's so cool. Like, you know, thanks. I appreciate that. And I just lost the opportunity to say, would you like to try? Yeah. I've got, you know, we can, we can lower boat on for it. We can try it. Yeah. Um, I've just, there's been so many opportunities where I just miss it. And, you know, it's, it's these times that I start reflecting back on that. And I think, man, I need to make a more conscious effort to invest in the next generation of hunters. Sure. Cause it's not enough to, cause there are so many dads out there that aren't teaching kids how to hunt. There are so many grandpas out there who can't teach their kids how to hunt anymore because of age. And, and I have the ability to help them and I don't. Yeah. I think one of the cool things, especially with archery, um, but firearms are, are a similar thing is that, um, it's a really great way to get people introduced to the outdoors. Um, and like for you, I, I know you've, you've taught a lot of people how to shoot bows. Um, and even if people never jump into hunting, archery yeah. in and of itself can, so it can be, be that outlet, something that, that somebody healing, gets yeah. really passionate about. And um, that's a great way to introduce people. But I do think with like what you're saying, you know, looking for opportunities to like mentor people, um, look for those kids, those situations. And a lot of times even like, like troubled kids, they just need an outlet. Like they just need like somebody to care about them and something to put their attention, towards. attention and energy yeah. towards. And, uh, and also like when you just show somebody that you care about them and you give them time and 
point them in a direction of something they could be interested in. And, uh, that you just get so many great opportunities. Like, like what happened for me is like, they, they were able to like teach me about life, teach me yeah, about being absolutely. a man, you know, teach me about yeah. growing up and maturing and, you know, learning a lot of these, you know, life lessons, life lessons yeah. that are going to follow me. And so I think often, you know, mentoring in that way, like it just, it provides avenues for those, those kind of conversations to happen that otherwise wouldn't, yeah. or they wouldn't give you the time of day, you know? And, uh, there's no shortage of, of kids that are needing that. Um, and so, yeah. Well, and I, love, I think, I think too, part of the problem is like social media has changed that structure a lot because we do now have influencers, mm-hmm. you know, and we just think like, Oh, hunting. Yeah, you are one. Dude. Yeah. Hunting one on one podcast will influence them. I don't need to like, right. No, like I don't have an influence, man. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big hunter, but you have something to pass on. Like, yeah. And that's why, you know, kind of the three pillars of this podcast is hunt, grow, inspire. Yeah. And, um, the reason I kind of wanted to structure it that way is because I just want everybody to understand, like, even if you've only shot one deer, like even if you've just started and you've only shot one deer, you still have something that the person behind you doesn't have that you can pass on. Sure. You know, there's always something you can be teaching like, Hey, I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. You know, I, and I can't get you to, you know, be the next Levi Morgan, but I can teach you how to shoot. You know, yeah. I can teach you how to load Like I can teach you what your sights are. I can teach you how to, like, I can teach you the basics. Um, and then we can learn together. You know, then we can continue to grow together. And I just think that gone are those days because, you know, we just think like, well, there's so many influencers. They can get all the information on how to shoot a ball off YouTube. They can get. Right. But again, it's that difference in the connect of like, hey, I care about you. connection. Like I want to I want to invest in you personally. Absolutely. And that's why, like, it's been it's been laid heavy on my heart with Coda, at least to to get him out there. Yeah. And it's even been a connection with him and his dad. Like that's or, or with me and my with me and his dad and now him and his dad. Because his dad was like, well, if Coda's going to learn, I'm going to learn. That's so awesome. Like, I've had both him and his dad over. Sure. You know, just to, you know, I'm walking his dad through with his son, like helping yeah. them both. And now they get to connect up on that level. I and love so that, it's just man. like, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I'm doing a poor job of it because I've had so many opportunities that I've lost, but it's just something that really I've been trying to do better of, of, of using and not only a platform of a podcast or social media, but personal connection of like, Hey, would you like to do this? Yeah. Let's, let's get you started. Um, and I understand like, trust me, I get it. Uh, you know, I don't have, I don't have 30 leases. I can't right. just say, well, I'm not going to hunt this property. So you can have that property. Yeah. I, I don't have that ability. You don't have unlimited right. opportunities. Um, yeah. And, and you know, and I was actually just telling Chrissy, I've only been hunting, you know, and we're going into December and I've only set probably seven times. Yeah. Um, five of which were with Tucker. Like, so yeah, I got, you know, I haven't, I don't just get to hunt every day. Sure. Contrary to some people's beliefs, I don't get to just hunt every day. And so it's hard to give up those opportunities. Sure. But again, like I hope one day I have the influence on somebody to where, you know, what if there are the next Chuck Adams? Like what if one day they're looking back, holding a new world record on the Boone and Crockett stage or on the Pope and Young stage saying, yeah, but I had Dylan Ray to help me. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't anything special. He didn't, you know, and 
Or, or what if they're the next, you know, Joe Rogan to make the biggest splash about hunting ever because they turn out to be some famous person and, and they say, yeah, but I had a guy named Dylan Ray that invested in me. Yeah. And that's just what, I mean, you, you, you got to think like that. Like, yeah, they might not ever turn into something great, but what if they do? Like, look what for if, that. What if they change the world for hunting because you changed their world? Yeah. Look for that. 18 year old punk college kid that 100%. needs a bow and help him shoot in the headlights of your truck. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Teach him, teach him to love it. And look, he's got his own podcast now. Yeah. This guy's rocking it. Absolutely. Now I want to go back. You said something interesting and I've had this conversation with other people. Uh, I think my dad's dead wrong. I, I don't think he's right on this. Okay. Cause you mentioned, and I was in the same boat as you, you've got camo sweatpants and wool socks on that weigh <laughs> 10 pounds because they're wet and oh, man. you're freezing to death. And you, you know, your fingers are never going to work right after that because you were in five degrees with no gloves on. Like, yeah. And dad said one time, he said, uh, dude, he said, Tucker's got more money in hunting gear than I've got. And he's like, you're, you're, you're not doing right by that boy. Cause you're not teaching him to struggle. And I'm like, I disagree because you know, we have so much technology now. We have so much, you know, so many clothing companies make great gear for kids now. Like they don't have to struggle anymore. Now, I'm not saying that if they do face the cold and the bitterness and the just that this sucks that they're going to quit. But it happened to my brother. You know, dad took Aaron out on his first hunt and it was 10 degrees and snowing. And Aaron's like, this is not for me. I don't want to do this. Would that have changed if he was comfortable? Like, would that have changed if he was in good gear? And so I'm curious to know, like, what's like, do you, do you pamper Elijah in the woods or do you make him struggle? <laughs> uh, you know, I've never really thought of it in those terms. I think honestly, what I encourage is you just get people out in the woods, like in whatever you can. Yeah, like if you, yeah. if you have like the means and you're able to, you know, buy the most expensive gear, do it. If you can't afford that, and that would be like a barrier for entry for you, then I would say like, honestly, it doesn't even have to be camo, you know, yeah. like bundle them up. Like we, we sometimes like what we'll do is buy like a bigger size camo jacket, especially kids are growing fast, you know, and if budget's tight or whatever, you know, you can get like a bigger size jacket and then wear like their regular coat underneath. Yeah. Um, and I do try to like think through, you know, if I'm taking a kid hunting, like early seasons are really great time to like introduce yep. kids and, you know, wives or different people. Yeah. Like where it's comfortable and yeah. you can be maybe even too hot. Like, um, that's usually easier sitting than when you're freezing to death. Um, but then, yeah, I try to think through like, Hey, maybe not going to be an all day sit this time, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say, yeah, buy the best gear that you can afford, but don't let gear be the reason that you don't go 100%. in the woods. Like, 100%. That's, and so same thing with like, you know, if you can't afford a brand new flagship bow, like buy a cheap used one yeah. and get some arrows from the archery shop that somebody, you know, didn't want or, you know, like ask around. And a lot of times there's, there's deals to be had on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And well, and that's what, you know, really I was you know, getting to like, why well, yes. And you know, it, obviously I work with scent and so I can, you know, get discounted stuff for Tucker and, uh, you know, got it for Harper and then it passed down to Tucker and, um, but don't let money stand in the way. Like yeah, I was just at sure. Walmart the other night and 
I we found a flannel jacket uh, or not a flannel a uh, yeah a flannel jacket. Um, it was really thick and fluffy, but it was red and black stripe, you know. And I'm like, this yeah. would be, you know, it's like 25 bucks, and it was yeah. like kid sizes. And I'm like, this would be really good for Tucker in the Woods. It's 25 bucks, like so. Don't yeah. don't think like, and that's another thing I think social media has just screwed up is like, I don't have the money to buy a two thousand dollar bow and another five in camo and right another grand in tree stands and trail cameras and yeah, you know that's a ten thousand dollar investment. Yeah. It doesn't have to be though. No, like there's been a whole lot of deer set shot sitting on the ground with blue jeans and a flannel. Yeah. And you know, like, and I just tell people like, dude, there's some great bows out there. I mean, like bear makes the legit it's 400 bucks fully set up. Yeah. Like sights, rest, stabilizer, quiver. It's a great bow. Yeah. I shot it. And Chrissy, Chrissy shot deer with it. Um, you know, Chrissy shot two big old does with it. Um, so you don't have to spend a fortune to get into hunting. Right. One of the things I think like as mentors, like if you're looking for opportunities to like help people out, um, one of the things you can do is like, look at your gear, look at all the stuff you got on the shelf, look at the old camo that you never use mm-hmm. or the, maybe the old bow that just sits there and think about like, man, who could this help? You know, yeah. it's just taking up space in my garage. You know, it's like clutter that I'm not going to use. Yeah. And that could actually help somebody get into the woods. Yeah. Maybe it's old tree stands. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you want to keep safety in mind there. Right. You know, don't give somebody something that's rusted out or whatever, but like if you've got some stuff and you're wanting to upgrade anyways, you probably can't sell it for much. It's like, man, just look for somebody you can help out and give that to. I did hear a interesting point on that too, though. I don't remember who was talking, but they said, don't give it to them. Let them invest in it. You know, yeah. just like your uncle with sure. mowing the yard. Sure. Um, exactly. Let them be invested. It in meant it. more because I had to, Work I worked for it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that true. also means you're going to be more invested in it. Like yeah. rather than just somebody like, oh yeah, that's just a bow that was given to me. Give like, it. Yeah. But if they have to work for it, they're invested. They'll be more apt to practice with it. They'll be more apt to take care of it. Like, yeah. Um, you know, Coda, I, Coda wanted to buy a bow from me and I just said, what can you give me? You yeah. Know, and it was a nice bow. It was, it was a, you know, I easily could have sold it online for four or 500 bucks. And I said, what can you give me? And he said, well, I have a hundred bucks. And I said, done. That's yep. good. But now like awesome. Coda comes to me at church and he's like, Hey, you know, I was working on my bow last night or I was doing this with my bow last night. He's yeah. invested. Yeah. Like he, he, he's, he's an owner. Yeah. Yeah. He, he views that as his, it's special to him. He, he spent his hard earned money on it. Sure. You know, Jack Ledbetter. Um, he called me and said, Hey, can I buy a bow? Oh, cool. And I said, yeah. And he said, it was that so dude is a hunting machine. Yes. He said, I have, this is what he said. He said, I have $147 to spend on the bow. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what, Jack, just so happens I've got one for sale for $147. Oh man. And, and Grant, you know, and you know, he knew the value of the bow and he's like, dude, you don't have, I'll help him with that. And I'm like, no, yeah. you don't have to do that. Yeah. He, that's what he has to invest. That's awesome. He's going to be invested in it. That's what he wants. Let's do it. I love you know, that. but Jack now, like that's his bow. You know, he yeah. spent his money on it. He that's great. He's working with that bow now. You know, like that's his bow. Yeah. And I can remember, dude, that piece of garbage that we spent two hundred bucks on. Um, dude, I remember I spent more on accessories and strings than the oh, bow was yeah. worth. Like, oh yeah. And I decked that bow out, and you know, I spent good money on custom strings and upgrading sights, and yeah, because it, it was an investment. Like this sure. is what I care about now. Like. And it got you hooked. Yeah, it got me hooked, man. It killed your. First that was a bear charger, is what yep. that was. Um, and I still, dude, I loved that little bow. Um, hunted a lot with it, but, uh, yeah, man. So 
that's kind of uh I just think we need to work on getting back to those days, man, and investing in people. Guys, when it comes to hunting and being outdoors, I believe there's one product that I use more than anything. That's not my bow. That's not my boots. It's not my um, anything else other than a binocular harness. If I am outside doing anything outdoors, I've got a binocular harness on. Whether I'm shooting, whether I'm hanging tree stands, uh, whether I'm out hiking, it doesn't matter. If I'm outdoors doing just about anything, I've always got my binocular harness. Alaskan Guy Creations does it and does it very, very well. I've been using these now for about eight years, and I absolutely love them. The new system with all the magnets are really good, um, really accessible, very customizable. Guys, if you're in the market for a new binocular harness, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to check out Alaskan Guide Creations because they are phenomenal. One of the one of the things you said earlier that kind of like made my thought path just kind of go down the trail is like I think one of the things that happens nowadays sometimes is because of social media, because of like the the view of hunting as like you have to kill the the biggest. Mm-hmm. The baddest, you know, like, dude, I'm the king of 120s. Well, here's like, <laughs> here's what I'm saying is like, I think the the saying is like, comparison is the thief of joy, and mm-hmm. I think that happens so often, even with like gear. Oh, it's like yes. you're like, man, like I, you know, they have like they're decked out in Sitka and have a brand new bow and have a brand new truck and have a you know side by side and yeah. all this stuff. And it's like that is really cool. And if you can afford that and that like you're able to do that, I have nothing against that. Yeah. But if you have to use old, you know, torn up camo that's faded and drive a rickety old beater car and you know, like you you're using a used bow and whatever, like if you can get in the woods, like get proficient with your gear, obviously, like if you're shooting a bow, you need to be good with it. Yeah. Um, but you can get really good with an older bow, you know, yeah. and like take what you can afford and get out in the woods. Like just yeah. go like you're not going to kill them sitting at home looking at other people's posts on Instagram. Yeah. So just get out there and enjoy it. And don't always compare with others because like comparison does steal joy. Yeah. I think. And and be happy when you, you know, if you get into archery and you shoot any deer with a bow, that's an accomplishment. Like hundred percent. That is a great accomplishment. If it's a doe, awesome. If it's a fork and horn, great. If it's a one twenty buck, I mean, be happy about that. Yeah. Like, and obviously like everybody has standards and you want to, you know, like sometimes you may want to hold out for a bigger buck and that's, that's great too. If that's your game, you know, I but like don't kill stuff. Just I, just, I do too, like dude. To kill stuff. I hate eating tag soup. <laughs> one time, Dad said, "When are you going to kill something bigger?" I said, "When they come out before the one twenty does, <laughs> that's when I'll kill something bigger." It's like, but dude, I don't. I, it's I, hard to hold off, man. I just like to kill stuff. Yeah, standing man. out there, yeah, it's it's to me, it's way more fun to go home with something in the back of your truck, yeah. even if it's smaller. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I think advancements in technologies and the whole comparison and and uh, but one thing changed my life and I have not told him it changed my life yet, but, uh, Frank Noska, who is quite literally one of the best hunters the world has ever known. Um, right behind me, right? Right behind you. Yeah. That's what I was uh, saying. He is 
one animal away now from killing his third super slam. Oh my gosh. Uh, so cow. all 29 animals in North America, he is one animal away from doing that three times over now. Um, just an absolute stud. And I remember asking him one time, I said, how do you do it? Like, how do you even, and he said, well, dude, this is my life. Like, yeah, that's I, what he lives and breathes for. He, he said, I drive an 08 truck yep. that I carry liability insurance on so that I can hunt more. And dude, we're talking, I mean, some of those sheep, 60 grand a sheep, you know, to go kill. And he's like, I drive an 08 truck that I carry liability insurance on. Yep. I shoot a, an old bow. It's 2007. And this was in 2022. Really? He said, he said I shoot an old bow. He's done all that with. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think I saw a post recently and I think he bought a new one, but um, he said, I shoot an old bow. I don't spend a lot of money on gear. I don't try to upgrade everything every year. Yeah. I, I just. I would rather invest in my next elk hunt in the experience and more clothing and more. Absolutely. hundred percent. He said, I uprooted myself, you know, from where I was born and raised to move to Alaska so that I can hunt more. Yep. Um, so that I can have more opportunities. Yeah. I built my career as a pilot so that, I, you know, I can hunt different places yeah. more. Um, you know, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to hire a, a brush plane to go in. I can fly sure. my own in and hunt like, I've built my life so that I can do it. Right. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, man, there's a lot to be said about that. Like, yeah. It's my pet peeve when somebody says, well, I wish I could afford to go on an elk hunt. And I'm like, but you're wearing $5,000 in clothing. Yeah. Like you could. Or you have a $900 a month car payment. Yeah. Like or, you don't have to do that. Or like, you smoke cigarettes. Like <laughs> do that. Like I heard somebody say that one time. It was Aaron Snyder. He said, uh, don't tell me you can't go on an elk hunt if you smoke cigarettes. Quit smoking cigarettes and put that five bucks, you know, every two days in an account and you'll be able to go on a bunch of hunts. Yeah. Like, but it's just, I mean, put up or shut up, dude. Like, well, it's kind of back to the comparison thing is like, I think one of the sad realities is a lot of people spend so much time trying to like buy the newest, baddest, coolest gear. You buy all this gear, but then you can't afford to go on the hunt. Yeah. It's like, You've really shot yourself in the foot at that point. Yeah. Like you've defeated the goal <laughs> like that well, you're set out for and, you. Yeah, I just think you've bought into the lie of you have to have the gear to succeed. Yeah. And like, dude, it like somebody I was telling somebody about the Bear Alaskan, which is a budget mid level bow. It's like a five hundred dollar bow. And I'm like, dude, it is a shooter. And they said, Yeah, but it's five hundred dollar bow. And I'm like, You're telling me you're too good for that bow? And I'm like, because Chuck Adams is killing new world records with that bow in Alaska. Right. In a t-shirt. In a t-shirt, a cotton t-shirt. Like, <laughs> and and Chuck will say that. Chuck, yeah. Chuck will say like, yeah, I would rather spend 500 on a bow so I can spend more on the elk hunts, sure. bison hunts, whatever I want to go on. Like, I don't have to spend two grand to go kill those. Yeah. And I would rather invest less so that I can hunt more. Absolutely. Like, and that's what it's all about, man. Yep. Like. Yeah. I remember one time I said something about budgeting for hunting and somebody like laughed at like somebody literally like was like, oh, man, uh, if my wife made me keep a budget for hunting, dude, I, that's, you know, I wear the pants in this relationship. I'll wear I'll spend all the money I want on whatever I want. And I'm like, OK, right. But like I want to literally put money away so that I can go on hunts like, yeah, plan for it. I, I want to plan for it. Like, yeah, I literally like if I was to show you my monthly budget, it says hunting. Because I want to put back 50 bucks a month. That way in two years I can go on an elk hunt. Yep. You know, I want to put back a hundred bucks so I can go on a all dad hunt, whatever it might be. Yep. I don't want to 
say, well, I wish I could go on that. Like, sure. I want to invest in it because this is what I'm passionate about. Yeah. So, so really fun goal. Maybe, maybe the listeners could try something like this. If you have enough gear to get you in the woods right now, think about maybe trying to go one season or even two seasons without buying another new piece of gear and go on more hunts. Yeah. Like I, I've actually, the reason I'm saying that is the last couple of years I've tried really hard not to buy new hunting gear because I want to increase my opportunities to be in the woods. Says the guy who just shot a Boone and Crockett antelope. I don't think he's going to go Boone and Crockett, but it's close. It's a good one, dude. It's that, close. that was incredible. Yeah. And that experience, like that was, that was so much better than any, like, Honestly, I, I spent less on that than I would have spent on buying a new set of camo. Yeah, absolutely. And that was so much to me, like the memories of that trip and the investment there, like, dude, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. So. You're absolutely right, dude. That's what, like, we just live in such a fast paced technology driven, got to have the newest and baddest. Like, but I've honestly always appreciated that about you. Like, and I remember one time you said something about like, I don't remember the exact terminology, but like if I trade a new bow every year, if I get a new bow every year, I don't know my equipment as well. I I really, I, I'm being serious because Dylan and I uh, did some stuff together as a yeah. business, outdoor business for a while. And uh, we were upgrading bows every single year. And I had gone from like when I was 12, I got that $20 bow and then I saved up. And I bought a Browning micro something youth bow and I killed a bunch of deer with that bow. And then when I turned 15, um, Jared Vickers, who was my youth pastor and my Vickers mentor with one eye, that's right. Cause he actually lost his eye. <laughs> he, uh, he was selling a Matthews MQ 32 which at that time was just a few years old. And it was, I mean, light years ahead of what I had been shooting. And it was an adult size bow, 70 pound draw. Uh, it was a little too long of a draw length for me, but I just lived with it. So when I was 15, I saved up and I bought that bow from him. And then I hunted with that until I bought that Z7 Extreme. So I hunted with that bow for like almost 10 years. And then you hunted with the Z7 for 10 years. Forever. Yeah. And so I, I was really in the pattern of like, get your equipment, get really good with your equipment, know your stuff inside and out. And then when I went to like getting a new bow every year, it's like, well, you got to get your arrow set up. You got to retune everything. You got to, you know, and a lot of times that means dumping more money and just time and getting yeah. comfortable with stuff. And I was finding like, I wasn't as confident in my shooting and my equipment as I had been because I just didn't know my equipment as well. Yeah. And so there is for me, like, um, I'm shooting the same bow that I've shot since 2017, I believe. So it's been quite a while and it was a used bow. Then, uh, I shoot a, can I say what I shoot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I shoot a Matthews Halon 32. Yeah. Awesome bow. Uh, I shoot it really well. I love it. I've taken a lot of deer with it and I'm confident in it. And so yeah. honestly, like, it's gonna, it's gonna last me for a while, and I'm okay with that. Like, well, and I used to just be the worst of the worst. Like, I was a gear junkie through and through. I would literally like they would release a new site, and I'd be like, I have to have that. And so I'd buy it, and um, 
I'd buy it and like it was the middle of the rut and I was trying to side it in yeah, the night oh, before. I hate changing like, stuff in season, even if it's close to like if it's July. But it was I'm like it was ugh. like an addiction, dude. Like, oh, I know because they make you think like this is going to help you so much. This is going to change everything. But the best part, the best thing you could ever do is just know your equipment. Yeah, and that's why, like, even if I change bows, I've shot the same sights for. And and I don't mean the same style sight, and I get a new one. Like no, it's the actual sight, actual same sight for six years. The yeah. react, the react trio pro. Yeah, I've shot the same sight on that dovetail, right? Yep, yep. I've shot that same sight for five years. I can vouch for that. That's true. And I have no because even if I change bows, like I know that sight like the yeah. back of my hand. Yep, exactly. I know every. I know how it works. I know. Yeah, you know every knob and every twist and every turn. But I used to just and, and you. It literally becomes an addiction that takes the joy away. Yeah, because you're constantly trying to upgrade and change and have to have the newest and best. Like, and it's not just bows, dude. It's everything. Like, oh, dude, the consumer mindset is like oh you're always gosh. chasing, but you never attain. Yeah, like Proverbs talks about that. But yeah. it's like you always want the next newest thing. I call it like the iPhone culture because it's like as soon as you get the newest, baddest iPhone that does like the best pictures you've ever seen, like the most incredible whatever, a new one comes out. Like three weeks later, they release a new one and you're like, oh, this is crap. I hate this thing this now. I want that. Like, I'm not going to yeah. be happy until I have that. Well, and it's not, like I said, it's not just bows. I mean, every, like your watch, like that. Well, first off, the Garmin Instinct is one of the best watches ever made. You know, I have this watch. Yeah. Because you sold it to me. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, I like this one. But like, you know, a lot of guys get the Instinct and they're like, oh, well, now they come out the Instinct too. I have to upgrade. No, like. You don't, you don't have to, sorry, Garmin, uh, everybody go upgrade your watch. Um, I'm just kidding. Garmin's but rock. I... They, they work just as well. Like there's no need to like, and, and, but we're yeah. living that world that just everything changes so quickly and it really truly does take away the joy of the experience because you're trying to constantly upgrade and buy something new. And yeah. it's always, man. And like, I, I seriously had an addiction like to have to have the newest and best. Well, it's fun. I mean, like, there's no doubt. Like, it's fun to get new stuff. And I am not against, like I said, if you can afford it, if you got the means, go for it. Like, I have no problem with that. But, like, I love what you were saying. And I love what Bear Archery has done and has been committed to um, is, like, keeping those entry-level or even moderate-level bows, like, you know, an affordable price point where, like, beginners can actually, like, they can save up some money they can buy a really quality bow yeah. that's going to shoot and it's going to last them. When I said like, it on a podcast, like fully set up yeah. some of those bows. It's I, like, I said on a podcast the other day, the new Alaskan XT is a budget bow and it comes with Picatinny mounts and IMS rest systems. And you know, you're like, that's crazy. You no, know, that's stuff that's coming. You're, you're paying for those, you know, $3,000 on some other companies, bows. Yeah. And here bears offering the integrated system for 600 bucks. Like, yeah. It's super you don't cool. have to spend a ton of money to get into this sport. Yeah. Um, I do want to take a loop back though, because I mentioned, um, I mentioned your Garmin there. And that's something that I, I just think like, there's so many products out there that yes, they can help you hunt. Like Garmin helps me hunt more successfully. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. And if you look at like the inReach system, like, yes, it lets me text my wife when I'm on the mountains. Like, that adds to the experience. Yeah, I need one of those. Um, those are cool. Yeah, and, and again, like people think that's way out of reach. Like an inReach mini is two hundred bucks, and I can text my wife from the mountains. Like they're on sale right now for Black Friday. 
I've been looking at them. <laughs> I would get one. Like, and and yeah. it's not even, you know, people think like, oh, that's for the mountains. Like, no, I keep it in my truck because even on the drive, you know, to a mountain. Like, oh yeah. You're without signal a lot yes. of places. Like, yeah. so if you're even going on a ski trip, like oh, you break yeah. down, like there's been so many times where you're driving down the road and you're like, I have no service. We go to the national parks all the times when you're no hiking, service. no service anywhere. And so yeah. like to let our families know like, Hey, we're alive, Safe. you know, we're here. Okay. This is where we're at. If anything does happen. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the messengers in, in my opinion, it's invaluable, but you know, Garmin is the example of one of those things that like, Yes, it adds to the experience. Like I can save waypoints, I can save, you know, sunrises and sunsets and it helps with the experience. But it's also one of those things that if you follow too much on social media, you'll be thinking like, oh, I've got to buy the new Garmin or I've got to buy the new like you said, you know, clothing. Like why yeah. yes, it does add to the experience. Oh yeah. You can be just as successful without it. Like you don't yeah. have to have this to hunt. Yeah. And I think that's where the disconnect is is of like Yes, these products can help you enjoy the hunt more. For sure. Um, it is enjoyable to be able to be on a nine-day hunt and text your family and say, hey, I'm safe. Love you guys. How is everything? Did Arkansas win last night? Um, that's a sore subject right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I texted Chrissy. I was on my way on a hunt, and I said, hey, baby, just so you know, you know, um, I have to pay for messages past a certain number, you know, whatever I've paid for a hundred messages or whatever. So if we get past that, I've got to start paying. So if I send you like a message that just says like, Hey, I'm safe. Love you guys. Like if you can tell us just a pre sent message, just don't text back. Cause like, you know, it counts both ways. And literally like the first text message I sent was what was the score of the game last night? Did we win? And she, she said, I thought you had to pay for all these. I'm like, yeah, but that's something I have to know. Really right important to um, my safety and yeah, well-being right now. I can't continue to hunt without that. Yeah. But that's just where the disconnect is of like, yes, once you start building equipment, like these things can help you enjoy the hunt more. Oh, for sure. And the ideology of I have to have that to hunt. Yeah. Like, you have to have a bow, arrows, a release. And some the, kind of clothing to cover you. The accessories but. for that bow and some kind of clothing. Yeah. You can literally start hunting. If you're listening to this and you've never hunted before, you can literally get out there and kill a deer for 200 bucks. Yeah. Like buy a budget bow off eBay, uh, a used bow off of Craigslist, whatever. Yeah. Go to Walmart and buy a flannel shirt that has some liner in it and go out and hunt. Like you yeah. don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars and honestly i think there's a joy in that like the simplicity of that mm -hmm. that honestly like it can't be replaced like oh my gosh like no. i i think back to the joy of shooting that first like broken off spike buck in my you know whatever hand-me-down camo stuff i had on my little cheap bow and like i have probably been that excited again but i don't know if i've ever been more excited than that yeah like that that was dude. Like, I had I can remember. I had a pair of passed down camo sweatpants, <laughs> like sweatpants, like what yeah. you would wear to lounge around the house. Cotton, cotton sweatpants. Yeah, boy. You couldn't even tell it was camo anymore. It just looked like browns this and tans. Is all faded. But I hunted ducks in those. Yep. I hunted deer in those. I had a cotton sweatshirt, camo pheasants, quail, yep. everything I was hunting. I wore those camo sweatpants. Yep. And dude, it didn't well. There was a duck hunting incident where I just had to use it for toilet paper. <laughs> those were gone, but <laughs> they're done for. They were Don't done want those for. back. Didn't want to wash those. Yeah. Um, but dude, like, yeah. And I, and I just think that we as hunters are doing a poor job of conveying that, like, yes, 
fancy clothing, new tree stands, cellular trail cameras, Garmin products. Like they will make it more enjoyable for you, but you don't have to have it to go hunt. Yeah, totally agree. So that's where we're at, man. And I think we as hunters are doing a poor job. And um, we as a, as a, um, as the, the people selling the products, like I understand you need sales and I understand you need to market those, those products to make them think it's the newest. You have to have this, but I just want to encourage people. Don't buy into that hype of, I have to have that in order to hunt. And I can't go hunting unless dude, I mean, there's some arrow setups out there and I'm guilty of it too. Every arrow costs 30 bucks that you're slinging. Cause it's got a Jeez. lighted knock and a, you know, outsert and a, you know, your broadheads cost three, 120 bucks for three of them. So you're launching, yeah. you know, quite, you're launching 70 bucks in an animal every time you shoot. Like again, yes, those products Ouch. work and those products can help you. Yeah. But dude, I've also killed deer with arrows from Walmart that caught, that I got on the aisle on the sale aisle for $2 an arrow. Yep. And you screw on a broadhead and shoot them. Like, so guys don't buy into that. Be influential. Look for opportunities to change people's lives when it comes to hunting. Man, introduce people to the woods. Like, yeah, it's, you'll, you'll never regret doing that. Right. Never. There's not an instance that it could ever happen. Like, yeah, you never will. It pays back so huge. Like, I mean, I honestly, as excited as I was myself to get into hunting, like help the, the few people that I've gotten to help, like when they have success, that joy it's overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's, but inf influencers can create influencers. Oh, like, for sure. And yeah, pass dude, it you're, on. You're, you're literally directly responsible for anything that I do. Any, anybody that I influence can go back to that's because Adam influenced me. And that that's can go cool, back man. to because Jared influenced you. And that yeah. can go back to because whoever influenced Jared influenced Jared. Yeah. Like, and so now, Jared can literally say, because I invested in Adam and he was able to invest in Dylan, Dylan's able to invest in the hunting one-on-one podcast. Yep. And dude, it will change. I, I mean this. If you've never seen somebody dude, the emails that I get and they're like, I thank you so much for the podcast. I just killed my first deer. Love it. Oh, that's so cool. dude. There's nothing that compares to it. Yeah. And dude. man, I just, I just want to encourage you guys to be be an influencer that creates influencers. Like, are you Jared's? Not, are you Jared's uh, hunting grandbaby? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I call him Papa Jared now. Papa Jared, Papa J with one eye. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you can literally be the 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 person that changes somebody's life. Yeah, like, and you know, Jared didn't know. Hey, Adam needs this because of healing. You didn't know Dylan's going to make a career out of this. Like, right. You, yeah. You never know how you can change somebody's life just by being an influence to them. It's true. Do you remember that time we were back home for the holidays or something? Um, we both live in Kansas. We're coming to you from Northwest Arkansas, the Let's Ozarks, uh, Arkansas? Where, I, where I cut my teeth um, hunting in the, in the Ozark mountains. Uh, and we were back home and, and I was like, did I just want to go hunt? And we went to public ground mountains up here. Oh yeah. Um, and that was the first time I ever heard somebody rattle. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? You're scaring every deer away in the history of the world now. And, um, but it was just that, like, I will never forget. And, and you, you never thought about, it. I'm going to teach Dylan how to rattle here. You just thought I'm going to rattle on a buck. 
But now every time I go to rattle, I'm like, I remember how Adam sounded when he did it. I remember what he did. I remember you were raking leaves with your feet and you were rat. And I'm like, I remember that. Like, and I learned from that. And so it's not always just the big life lesson of like, this is how you hunt, but just going out with people and, and yeah. showing them like, Hey, this is what I have found to work really well. And like, that was just a little lesson tucked into one hunt that I was like, I, you know, when I go hunting and I, I rattle, I think back to that time, every time I rattle. That's cool. Um, That's cool. And so guys just be influential. Quit being buttheads. Quit being selfish. Uh, <laughs> can I say that? I don't, it's your podcast. I don't know. Don't be buttheads. Take people hunting. There you go. Um, take a niece, a nephew, a neighborhood kid, find somebody and just say, Hey, would you like to try this? Um, cause dudes like just, the, um, well, my, my nephew Easton, like he, um, they had a new archery park open in Northwest Arkansas where they live. That's cool. And Easton was there and saw people shooting. He said, this is just like Dodo. This is, that's what my nieces and nephews call me. This is so cool. It's just like Dodo. And I'm like, I've never thought like, oh, I'm, I'm influencing Easton here. Right. He's four. I was yeah. three. Like I've never, I'm, I never thought I'm influencing Easton here. My nephew, Liam, you know, he gets a bow and he's like, I want to be just like uncle Adam and uncle Dodo. Like we're influencing these people. Like that's cool. You don't have to be a social media influencer to change people's mindset about hunting. So guys get out there, be an influencer. Um, and I don't mean like on social media, I don't mean, you know, create you some big platform. I mean, just find people that you can invest in, but guys, it's coming up on my favorite season to hunt. I'm going to be spending most of December in Oklahoma. I love the late season. Um, I love the predictability of deer when it's 10 degrees and dumping snow. I'm very picky about the nonprofits that I will support. Um, I look into them a lot. I don't just jump in and support anybody that says we're a nonprofit. Um, I met a, a friend of mine, his name is Jim Mesh, and he runs a memorial fund, a scholarship in his brother's name, the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. And what they do, they have a passion for getting kids involved in outdoors. So they host these events around the country uh, to get kids introduced to hunting, but also to raise money for their scholarship fund, which is the John V. Mesh sh Scholarship. And what that is, is that's a scholarship that if any student is going into a field of conservation study, they can apply for this, this scholarship. And it's a substantial scholarship. That's another thing. If, if, if they say we're a nonprofit, we do all this, and then they give you know, a $1,000 scholarship, then you're like, well, where does the rest of the money go? But they give a very substantial, substantial scholarship uh, to a student every year looking to go into a conservation field of study. So guys, maybe you are a student and you're studying some, some field of conservation, I would encourage you to apply for the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship, but also I would encourage you, everybody, to support this nonprofit scholarship fund, uh, whether it's through a one-time donation, a monthly donation, or attending one of their events, uh, or, or buying one of the things they have on auction uh, at these events. Support a company that's supporting our rights as hunters by furthering our conservation efforts by supporting students who are going into a conservation field of study. Guys, go check out the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship at johnvmesh.org. So guys, get out there and hunt. Enjoy hunting, uh, but pass it on and help create new hunters that will create new hunters. Guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>